Bible or a device, open that up to Joshua 1, and that's where we're going to be uh, for the morning. Uh, so yeah, just get that ready, that'd be great. When I finished school, um, sorry Tim, I know you've got it on the screen, but I'm not reading it at this point, we're just, we're just getting ready. <clears throat> um, when I finished school, I went straight on to study social work. And then I got a job as the youth development worker in a community centre kind of on the outskirts of Sydney. And the manager of the centre was a woman called Natalie. And she was this highly skilled, passionate, talented, amazing woman. Um, I can't remember how long she'd already been there, but, but she had a really good reputation and had strong networks across the area. And I was absolutely blessed, you know, starting out in my career to work under her and, and to learn from her. And I looked at the position that she was in as kind of my dream job. So I, I then left the centre after a couple of years or so and worked in other organisations. And then Natalie resigned as manager of the community centre to take up something else. So I jumped at that chance and applied for the job. This was my dream job after all. And now it was daunting because Nat had done such an incredible work there for, for such a long time. But look, I figured I'd, I'd give it a shot. But I didn't get the job. Uh, I didn't interview well, which is a common story for me. And, and someone else with more experience and whatever else uh, got it. But that person was a disaster, just quietly. <laughs> um, they lasted three months, and then the job was advertised again. And so this time, I was successful, and it's the job I was in for almost, almost five years before coming here. But here's where I realised, though, not long after starting in the role. If I had followed Natalie directly, that would have been a really tough gig. Um, hers were big shoes to fill. And to be honest, I don't think uh, I could have done it um, that well. But I had the blessing of following someone who was a shocker. Which meant, no matter how bad I was, I was far better than this person had been. And so it ended up being a real win for me. It kind of worked out really well overall. Thanks, Maisie. Now, Joshua, in the Bible, he did not have the advantage that I had. He followed Moses as the leader of the people of Israel. Now, we don't know if it's a job he wanted or if it's just kind of something that he ended up with. But if I thought following Natalie was going to be a tough gig, uh, following Moses was infinitely harder for Joshua. I actually feel, I feel really quite bad for Joshua, to be honest. We're in Joshua 1, but if, if you turn back a page, look with me at the final uh, chapter of Deuteronomy. Uh, Moses has died, and it reads as if God himself has conducted Moses' burial. And then we read this from verse 9. It says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has arisen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. So here's Joshua. Earlier has been commissioned to take up Moses' mantle of leadership, 
but look at how, how this reads. He was filled with the Spirit because Moses had laid his hands on him. And the Israelites listened to him and did what God had commanded Moses. Because there was no, never any other prophet like Moses. Moses knew God face to face. It was Moses who did all those signs and wonders in Egypt. And lastly, no one has ever done the mighty deeds with the awesome power that, that Moses did. So how do you reckon poor Joshua was feeling following that? He was not following a shocker, not by any means. Actually, it's even a bit worse than, than just that. As the book of Joshua opens, you know, this is the book that is written about him. Read verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Moses is the servant of God. Joshua is the servant of Moses. He's Moses' aid. It's not until the very end of the book, as Joshua at 110 dies, that he gets to be called the servant of the Lord. So it's no wonder... As Joshua takes up his leadership role in this chapter, that four times there is the, the instruction to him to be strong and courageous. That's clearly the message that he needed to hear. And God, in his grace, speaks it repeatedly to him. But these are words for us too. We may not be following in the footsteps of a giant like Moses, we may not be taking up leadership of an entire people group. We may not be embarking on a military conquest. In fact, I hope, generally speaking, that we're not. Yet as we seek to live into the life that God is offering us, as we seek to live into the full life, as we live more and more like Jesus, it actually takes strength and courage to do so, same as it did for Joshua. So as we work through our passage this morning, we'll see that there's at least five reasons why we, along with Joshua, need to be strong and courageous. So let's, let's dive in. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. As we look at this, we see firstly that we are to be strong and courageous because there's work to do. God says to Joshua that he needs to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. Moses has, has led them around the wilderness for, for so long and now they are on the cusp of entering into this land of promise. And Joshua needs to lead them into that. God will give them the land. He'll give every place where you set your foot, which is a reflective of the ancient tradition for the transfer of land, that you would walk across the land, the property that is now yours. But notice the command that God gives and its reason. He says, be strong and courageous because 
you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to give them. God is giving them the land, but they need to take it. And Joshua needs to be strong and courageous because it's his job to lead the people in the taking of the land. That's the work that there is for him to do. Now, is God giving them the land or are they taking it? Yes. <laughs> we talked about this a bit um, last Sunday night as we looked at Paul's word to the Philippians, to, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. We work out because God works in, and it's the same here. God in his grace has given Joshua the land, and then Joshua has to work out the reality of that. It's like what happens every Christmas. We go and we purchase something, we, we wrap it up and we put a, a name tag on it as we stick it under the tree. Now that gift is already the recipients. That is set aside and it's labelled specifically for them. It's, it's theirs. No one else can take that gift because it's, it doesn't belong to them. Yet, they still need to take it and open it up and, and claim it as theirs. So there is work for us to do. Yes, it's in response to God's prior working. But we're not to just sit back and kind of wait for everything to fall magically into our lap. If we do that, we'll be waiting a very long time. And we'll miss out on the life that God has promised us. Instead, we need to courageously engage in the work of leaving one life behind us and of claiming a new life, of putting off a life of sin and of putting on the life of Christ. Just as it did for Joshua, leaving one land and taking another, it, it will mean facing and doing hard stuff. I mean, Joshua had been one of the spies along with Caleb who had checked out the land and had seen the strength of the people and the cities. He knew the challenge that was ahead. Moving into the life that God had for them was going to take strength uh, of their own to do, and it's the same for us. We need to be strong and courageous because there is work for us to do. Secondly, we need to be strong and courageous because living like Jesus requires it. Let's read on verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, obviously this passage is talking about obeying the law, not about living like Christ. But Jesus was someone who perfectly fulfilled the law. And the law is an expression of the holy life that God has for his people because they're his. So, so I'm still claiming it. But when we read, read verse 7, the, the connection between being strong and courageous and then obedience to the law doesn't seem super clear. It's kind of like that there's this command to be strong and courageous and then there's this command to, to obey the law. But um, the CSB, as a different translation, makes it clearer. It says there, above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. In other words... What it's saying is we need strength and courage to live a life that is obedient to God. We need strength and courage to, to do what God says, to live the life that he would have us live, to live a Christ-like life. 
Joshua is told not to turn off the path of obedience, neither to the right or to the left. And he's told to meditate on, on the law. And the word elsewhere is translated for him to murmur or, or to talk about it day and night. In other words, he's to foster a knowledge of God's law and of his commands in order to live it out. As one commentator writes, it says that, that the act of daring for Joshua that required strength and courage, the act of daring is that he would live wholly by all that Yahweh has revealed in his Torah, that he would live out all that God has said to do in his law. So why is courage required for such a life? Why can't we just do it? Why do we need courage for it? And quite simply, it's because such a life is resisted. It's resisted on at least three fronts, the first being ourselves. I mean, there are times, aren't there, when we just want to do what we know is sinful. We want to say those hurtful words in our anger. Or we want to hold on to that bitterness rather than forgive. We want to exaggerate the truth a bit. Or hide the truth a bit. We want to share that ripper bit of gossip. And we need strength and courage from God to overcome ourselves, to overcome our sinful nature and to then live rather according to his word. Such a, such a life of living by God's standard is also resisted by others. I mean, Joshua was there when the people got sick of waiting for Moses and of living by what God had already commanded them. And instead, they made themselves a golden calf to worship. And then he's about to lead the people into, into this land of idols and of false gods. There's this aspect where holiness and living according to God's standards, it's not, it's not welcomed. It makes our friends uncomfortable to swear around us. We don't get invited to that party because we won't join in with getting drunk. And this is not even you know, talking about something like holding a line on, on sexual purity, orientation or identity in a way that's ostracized and condemned by our society at the moment. There, there's a pressure, both subtle and not so much, for us to compromise, for us to give in, to fit in. Living for God is resisted by others. And so we need strength and the courage to hold firm in it. So such a life is resisted by ourselves, by others, but it's also resisted by our great enemy, Satan. Being a Christian means that we live in a different kingdom. Paul writes to the Colossians that he's rescued us, God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son, whom he loves. We've changed our allegiance and Satan will throw temptations and trials, lures and enticements at us to get us to drop or to drift away from our faith. So James says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So living a consistent Christ-like life requires us to be strong and courageous. In, in fact, the command here is to be strong and very courageous. We need to be strong and very courageous because living like Christ requires it. In verse 9 then, we see two more reasons why we need to be strong and courageous. Verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
We are to be strong and courageous. Thirdly, because God commands us to be. And fourth, because he is then with us. Now, it's pretty cut and dry, isn't it? Have I not commanded you? God's not leaving much real room for us. It's not that it's simply a good idea or even just a recommendation for Joshua. It's a command. And God could command this because Joshua's strength and his courage were not to be found in himself, but were to be found in God's presence that was going with him. Whatever he faced, wherever he went, God said, I will be with you. How often do we need to hear those words spoken to Joshua? We have plenty of experiences that would make us fearful and anxious, where we would rather slink away rather than confront them. It might be a relationship issue that needs addressing. It might be a health prognosis that distresses us. It might even be an opportunity just to let someone know that we're a Christian. God speaks to us in those and in any situation, calling us to be strong and courageous and then giving us the means by which we're able to be, the means of his presence with us. Well, verse 9 then ends God's speech to Joshua. And in response to it, Joshua gets down to work. He tells, he gets his officers ready um, to, to go and tell the people to go through the camp, tell the people to get ready to move because we're about to take the promised land. He then goes to the eastern tribes, these tribes um, of Israel who have already had land allocated to them. And he says to them that you can't just settle down yet, but you need to help the fellow, your fellow Israelites claim their land as well. And then we jump to verse 16. So having said this to them, they then answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, they will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Here's the fifth reason to be strong and courageous. Because of the encouragement of others. Joshua may have been the leader of the people, but he couldn't do it by himself. Everyone was needed. Everyone had a role to play in the taking of the land. And one of those roles was to offer their encouragement and their backing to him. They said to him, in effect, look, Moses was great, and you played second fiddle to him for a long time, but now God has called you to the role, and we will obey you just as we did him. So lead us. And we'll follow. Just don't back away from God's call and from God's work. Be strong and courageous, they say. It's not just God who speaks this message to Joshua, but it's the others around him. That's why gathering together as a church with other Christians is so important. The writer to the Hebrews says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit but, but in contrast to that, that we would come together and encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, let us consider how we may offer the encouragement to others to be strong and courageous. Because we know the impact that such an encouragement can have on, on us, don't we? When we doubt, when we fear, 
when we question, when we're discouraged, to have someone come alongside us and to help lift us up. To have someone come alongside us and bring their faith, their peace, their trust, and to kind of hold us in the moment of our struggle and doubt. It's a gift and it's a blessing as they lend their strength to us. It enables us to go on. Sometimes other people will believe in us or believe in God more than we do. And so for a time, we can lean on their faith. So be strong and courageous because of the encouragement of others, because others are coming alongside you to give you their support, their backing, their encouragement. We get into the story of Joshua's leadership and what happens next much more um, from, from next week. But today we've, we've clearly heard this call issued to Joshua and to us for us to be courageous as we follow God and we move into all that he has for us. So as we wind up, begin to wind up for this morning, I have three thoughts on what it looks like for us as we seek to live it out. Firstly, is the fact that we need to do the work. And I'm not talking here about necessarily getting busily involved in, in ministry. What I'm talking about is your response to where God is asking you to advance his kingdom. It might be in a workplace. It might be in a relationship. It might even just be in your, in your own life. But God wants his rule and his reign to, to move forward in the world and in our lives. There's a land to be taken that there is more yet to claim. And God wants us to be moving forward into that. So, so what is the work that is before you that perhaps you've been shirking away from? Is it to advance the kingdom in a, in a place, in a relational context in, in your own life? Well, what's the work that is before you that we need to do and to step courageously into? So we need to do the work. But secondly, we also need to know the word. It's as we know God's word that we're then able to live according to it and be changed and equipped by it. I don't know if you notice uh, in my preaching, for instance, I stick close to the text. We work through it bit by bit and we, we draw conclusions from what the scriptures say. And that's because I know it's absolutely of no good to you to live by what I say but it's of great value for you to live by what God has to say. And it's why then as a church we have an emphasis on, on being part of a small group Bible study as well as being part of church life on Sundays as well as encouraging you to, to read and to know the scriptures for yourselves. We need to know the words, to, to have it on our lips and on our minds and in our hearts so that then it can be expressed in our lives. So how can you up your knowing of the scriptures. There's work to do. We need to know the word. And then thirdly, I'd say that we need to encourage others. And I would say especially to encourage our leaders. Imagine if those eastern tribes just gave Joshua, um, just gave him lip, just gave him sass and, and, and resistance. It, it would have undermined his confidence and his conviction and maybe he wouldn't have moved forward like he did. So speak and write words of affirmation and encouragement and support. Spur one another on as together we seek to walk into the life that God has for us. Because we've, we've seen it's hard to do. 
So we need the, the support and the backing, the encouragement of others. So, so offer that to others. Now, having said all this, I fear that this message sounds like a whole lot of what we should do. I fear it could be uh, misinterpreted as, as this moralistic message of, you know, do all these things and life will be rosy and right for you. Because even in Joshua's case, it was not like that. The, the precondition for him to be prosperous and successful was less about what Joshua did and more about what God had already done. He had already saved the Israelites from their slavery in Egypt. He had preserved them in their years of wilderness wandering. He taught them what it meant to live as the people of God. He had promised this land to the Israelites. He had raised up leaders to take them there. And he was now acting to give the land to them and giving them his presence. It's not about what we should do, but about what God has done. Now, even Joshua himself, his name means God saves. God is the initiator. God is the doer. And as we trust in him, we then live in response to what he has already done. So for us, it's not that we have to. You know, we hear this message of being strong and courageous, and we sit here and we go, I can't, I've tried, I'm weak, I'm timid, I, I, I can't do it. It's not about us sitting here saying, I have to be strong and courageous. It's that we get to be strong and courageous. We get to live in the fullness of life that Christ promises us as we walk in obedience to God's word. And we get this. We get to do this because God has given it to us. So we should look not to our efforts, but to his. We receive his gifts, gifts of salvation in Jesus, of the Holy Spirit to empower our lives, of, of relationship with the Father that, that comes with us wherever we are, the gift of living life in the abundance that was intended. And in response, ha having received these blessings, his gifts from God in response, we keep on pressing into the life that he has made possible. We keep journeying further into the promised land to join with God in, in the work of making this thing a reality. We just need to be strong and courageous. So some of you then are facing uh, starting a new job or going into a workplace that is toxic and challenging. Some of you are facing life without a partner. Some of you are facing uh, a conflict in, in a close relationship or, or the loss of a relationship. Some of you are facing not having a job to go to. Some of you are facing a, an exam uh, or a challenge that, that's coming up. Some of you, the challenge is simply facing each day. Waking up is the start of the challenge for you. And in all of these situations and in them all, God offers his presence to us. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Only be strong and courageous. So let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word that speaks to us today. We look at the life of Joshua 
And while his situation was unique of leading the Israelites into the promised land, yet, God, uh, what you speak to him, you speak to us. What you offer to him, you offer to us. God, we have, like Joshua and the Israelites, we have received your salvation. And you then call us into a life that is yet more than what we're currently in. You call us to leave behind an old land, to put aside our old self and, and sin, and to walk into a new land, a promised land, life to the full that you came to make possible. And so, God, I pray as, as we consider that offer, as we take what you have given to us, may we be strong and courageous. May our faith and our trust be in you May our security and our confidence be in the fact that your presence is with us in all things. And may you enable us in a way that we may not be able to you know, have fathomed for ourselves. May you enable us to be strong and courageous as you call us to be. We pray this, God, in Jesus' name.